We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, December the 13th, 2021. Today's show, it's officially Victory Monday as I break down both Gamecocks men's and women's basketball, scoring big W's yesterday. Frank Martin's squad beating the Florida State Seminoles in the No Room for Racism Classic by a score of 66 to 65. And we also talk Dawn Staley and the women winning their fourth game against a top 10 team in this season, taking down the eighth ranked Maryland Terrapins by a final score of 66 to 59 guys. All that also a big recruiting weekend as Shane Beamer and company pick up a big commitment from Jay Sean Barham, four-star linebacker and the highest commit of the Shane Beamer era today. Guys, I'll give my full reaction on that news as we go into a heavy, heavy recruiting week with National Signing Day just two days away. Also, guys, news and notes to get into that include a big-time quarterback prospect possibly on campus. Also, finally, a fantastic conversation, guys, and a great interview with former Gamecocks linebacker Sherrod Golightly. A great conversation and one I know you are sure to enjoy. Folks, if you could not tell, we have got a packed show here on a Monday. And it's all brought to you, of course, by our friends, as always, over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, for all your moving needs this holiday season and going into the new year, be sure to contact our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. It was a great weekend to be a Gamecock. Per sources, it feels good to be good. 
folks, spoiler alert, the source is yours truly. Hope you're doing well. Happy Monday. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show, a ton to get into here on this Victory Monday. And folks, what a great Monday to have a Monday. Arguably, one of the better Mondays I can recall being a Gamecocks fan when you're talking about victories across the board in really what feels like all sports, whether it be on the field or on the court, off the field, off the court, whatever it may be, folks, we have got a packed fun show for you all in what's certain to be an exciting week and a great week to be a Gamecock as well this upcoming week. But again, folks, thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this show does find you, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute or you're in the office, on the job, you got the day off. Maybe you're in class, whatever it might be, or maybe you're graduating. I forgot graduations actually today. So first things first, let me congratulate. Hey, let's all take a moment to congratulate all of the graduates that will be going through the commencement ceremonies. I think today and tomorrow, or at least I know this week for certain, but again, congratulations to you all. You're the real MVP and Hey, it certainly is victory Monday or a victory week for you. As you take your victory lap at the CLA or wherever commencements held, I honestly forgot at this point, but either way, congratulations to all of our graduates of the university of South Carolina and across the state of South Carolina. If you know a graduate out there, tell them I said, congratulations. Uh, again, we have got a ton to get into. As you can tell guys, I am fired up so much that I've into. Before we do, though, just a couple quick housekeeping items, a couple quick reminders, and then we'll go ahead and get this thing rolling. Uh, first things first, of course, guys, we all know what's upcoming on Wednesday, signing day, official national signing day for the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer. We will have a full signing day show podcast, if you will, dropping on Wednesday, a full signing day primer on the podcast. Of course, guys, on the Daily Crow, we'll be rock and rolling, doing our normal thing. And then Thursday, the podcast on Thursday will be a full signing day recap, if you will, just what happened, where the class finished up, full takeaways from the Gamecocks recruiting class, if you will, all that good stuff. Also, of course, guys, normal content this week with a podcast, The Daily Crow. So a lot of the content this week is going to be centered around National Signing Day. We do have basketball on Tuesday and Wednesday with men's and women's, but of course, Signing Day, a very, very, very big deal this week. And I'm very excited for the content that we're going to roll out there. Really looking forward to it. So again, you can expect the primer and the recap shows Wednesday, Thursday. And of course, we'll break down everything on the Daily Crow this week as well, noon to two on Facebook. YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch as well. We'd love to have you tune into that, taking your questions, your comments, and your calls as well. Also, guys, just a quick reminder, we are live at Tin Roof, 5 to 7 on Wednesday in the Vista. One quick update, though. I had said late last week that former Gamecocks defensive line coach in front of the show, Brad Lawing, would join me. He actually will not talk to Brad late Sunday afternoon, feeling under the weather, feeling sick, if you will. So we're going to reschedule that, obviously hoping he feels better sooner rather than later, but didn't want to push it, obviously, with the holiday coming up and stuff like that, going to be around family. So Brad feeling under the weather, so we'll, we will not have Coach Lawing, but we'll still be live at 10 Roof, of course, taking your questions, comments, calls. And what a great show, by the way. That will be at 10 Roof because, again, that will be that afternoon of signing day. I think most of the dust will probably have settled by then. So going to be a really, really good time discussing that with you all. 
and taking in what should be a really, really strong finish to Shane Beamer's, what I call his first real recruiting class, first full class at least at the University of South Carolina. A lot of positive momentum in that regard, and we're going to talk about that a lot more here in just a second because of what happened over the weekend as well. Before we do, guys, we got to focus on the hardwood because what a weekend it was on the hardwood. We're going to start with Frank Martin's squad up in Rock Hill in the No Room for Racism Classic and the Gamecocks. Grittiness, toughness, grinding it out for a 66-65 to win over the Florida State Seminoles. As I just said, again, hey, first things first, feels good to be good. Feels good to be good, right? And I told you guys this a couple of weeks ago, that this was going to be a very fun basketball team to watch, right? A very fun basketball team to watch with all the newcomers and the new pieces and the youngsters and, and guys that, you know, if this team could find a way to gel, if this team could find a way to mesh, at least early on, uh, some good things can really happen. I don't know about the NCAA tournament. I don't know how far this team can go, but it's going to be a fun team to watch. You saw that yesterday. Uh, like I just said, the grittiness, the toughness, overcoming adversity guys you trail by as much as 16 points early in this game you open up as a six and a half point underdog and hell I picked you to lose which hey always trust the big brain but I picked you to lose you were an underdog you were down by 16 and this team could have folded this team could have caved I think most of us expected that to happen. I think most Gamecock fans expected this one to get way out of hand. You know, it looked like at least early on, it was going to be one of those games that we're so familiar with in regards to Sal kind of showing up and not having its best stuff for whatever reason and getting run out of the gym. Well, not only did the Gamecocks not do that, but they were able to fight, scratch, and claw and find a way. And really, guys, it starts on the defensive side. It starts on the defensive side. I think what you're seeing early in this season when South Carolina has been successful, and you've seen it come up more often than not, because this is a Frank Martin coach team, right? This team has shooters. Shooters shoot. We love it. Our guy Stevie and everybody else involved, Devin Carter, James Reese, Jacoby Wright, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, this is a Frank Martin basketball team. And Frank Martin coached basketball teams are going to win games more often than not with stellar defense. And Sure enough, that is exactly what happened yet again in this ballgame. Of course, FSU, like I said, guys, starts out hot. But you look back at the final stats. You actually outshot the Seminoles. You shot 44%. You held FSU to just 37% from the field. Both teams, by the way, shooting identical numbers from three-point range, 29% from the three-point line. You look at free throws, what's crazy is you won this ball game and you still found a way to overcome shooting just 500 from the free throw line, Florida State shooting 75%. Look at the boards, though. Look at the physicality, the toughness by the Gamecocks. 41 to 33 advantage in regards to rebounds. I mean, like I said, guys, when you look at a Frank Martin coach basketball team, that's what I saw, the grittiness, the toughness, you know, muddying this thing up, if you will, and just finding a way to come back. And now you find yourself sitting at 7 and two, we talked about how big this three-game stretch was when it comes to non-conference and, and uh, you know, the three-game stretch at Georgetown, Florida State, and Clemson, and just finding a way to go at least two and one. You've already completed the first two legs of that big three-game non-conference stretch. Kudos to Frank Martin. Kudos to that entire team. Like I said, guys, finding a way to battle back. Because, again, early, it looked ugly. I mean, early, it looked very, very, very 
ugly. And as much criticism and as much energy, and I'm to blame as well, as much criticism and as much energy as we put into criticizing Gamecocks basketball and criticizing Frank Martin and criticizing players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, let's make sure we take that same energy. Let's take that same exact energy now because, hey, we were all loud after the Gamecocks lost to Coastal. We were all loud after South Carolina went to Conway and looked clueless. Let's just make sure we're putting that same energy today and this week into what the Gamecocks did in Rock Hill on Sunday because that, that was nothing short of a fantastic win, a fantastic win for South Carolina in a non-conference venue, excuse me, non-conference, a, a, a uh, neutral site venue is what I meant to say, a neutral site venue up in Rock Hill, South Carolina. There was, there was a bunch of great Gamecocks up there as well, so kudos to all of you that maybe made the trip. But just a fantastic job to overcome adversity and fight scratch and claw. And again, you were down 16 early, guys. This thing could have gotten away from you many different times, but you kept fighting, you kept fighting, you kept fighting. And what a basketball game this was, by the way. What a basketball game, a game of runs. It felt like it was, you know, one team going a 7-0 run, then an 8-0 run the other way, then a 10-0 run, then a 6-0 run. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you find a way to get the job. And again, guys, this is one of those basketball games, by the way, or just one of those sporting events that when you win, it's great, right? It was a great game. When you lose, it's agonizing. It's painful. It's, it's the despair of defeat, if you will. But bottom line is this, the Gamecocks found themselves on the right side of this thing. Um, and what's so cool, and I think what, what is, what stands out, and I'm going to get my biggest takeaway in just a second. He's part of it, but you know, Frank Martin was, and, I, and I've said it many times, guys, again, did I come into this season saying fire Frank Martin? No, I did not. Did I say fire Frank Martin after the Coastal Carolina game? No, I did not. Because I wanted to, let's just see this thing play out, right? It's a long season. It's a very, very long season, right? You can go on a tear in SEC play, and you're a no-brainer, uh, you know, uh, March Madness team, right? So it's like, let's just see the thing play out. And I'm not a guy that we know Frank Martin is a good basketball coach. We do. We do. We know that. You don't take a team to the Final Four if you're not a good basketball coach. The question coming in the season was not, does Frank Martin know the game of basketball or is he a good basketball coach? The question was, does his style still work? Will players still respond to his coaching style? And, and I see some people still cringe when it goes to commercials and Frank Martin is absolutely ripping into a kid on the sideline, and it takes, guys, let's call for what it is. It takes a special kind of player and a special kind of individual to flourish, not just play, but flourish under those circumstances. But again, I, I want to take a moment to tip my cap to Frank Martin and give the same energy again I gave after the Coastal game after this one because Frank Martin told us we will be better. Frank Martin said, you know, because of us having our practice time back and being able to develop this team and install our defense, we will be better. And Frank Martin did not just say it. He did not just talk the talk. He walked the walk in regards to making Gamecocks basketball better. Completely, basically completely flipped the roster. I, I mean, it just, you know, I was at a game with my buddy early in the season. Like, who is this team? All new players. Who are they? He didn't sit on his hands and just hope. He flipped the entire roster. And it's players 
like the Devin Carters of the world. It's players like the Jacoby Wrights. It's players like the James Reese's that you look at and say, these are the kind of players, these are the kind of guys that Frank Martin had to bring in. Because a guy like, for example, Devin Carter, that's a dude that you watch his game and it gives you hope. It gives you hope not just for this season, not just for the next game, but for the future of the program. Truly. Like, man, look at this young cat. Look at this diaper dandy, man. A guy we can build around. A guy who's going to be able to flourish here, and and he's going to be our star player. Like, that was the kind of guy, and that was the thing, I think, or one of the things that Frank Martin absolutely had to have. Again, there's a long season ahead, so I'm not saying throwing a parade. I'm not saying crown anybody, but that was a big win yesterday, and when you have a youngster like a Devin Carter show out the way he did, and you're having guys like Jacoby Wright playing solid basketball in place of Jermaine Kusnar, which, by the way, that's something I hadn't even mentioned yet. The fact the Gamecocks did what they did yesterday without Jermaine Kusnar, without one of your best players, and we saw – we saw how important he was when he was absent in Conway. We saw how important he was for the Gamecocks to overcome that. You could argue they didn't even have their best product on the floor yesterday and still found a way to win. That's impressive. But again, when you look at what Frank Martin did with the roster in the offseason, completely flipping it, and now your best players are those guys who came in. You know, our guy Stevie does his thing. James Reese coming in, does his thing. Chico Carter Jr., he does his thing. A.J. Wilson, right? And then you're getting you're getting quality minutes. I, I tell you what, guys, again, I, I talked about him last week. Wilton's Levesque is playing the best basketball I've ever seen him play. An absolute force down low. I cannot say enough good. I feel like Wilton's Levesque's name is getting mentioned every other second. Keyshawn Bryant is still the highlight reel we all know and love. Keyshawn Bryant's still that dude, right? Not scared to dunk on nobody. Not scared to dunk on nobody. And then you're getting enough from all these new pieces, and this thing is finally starting to gel together. You don't win a game. I've said this about Carolina football, and I'll say it here about this game, Cox basketball team, because, again, lots of things have been said about Frank Martin, his program, his coaching style, what the future of Carolina basketball should be. And, hey, I've said it too, guys. If the season doesn't go the way we all hope, you have to, at some point, sit down and evaluate and say, okay, what is the future of Gamecocks basketball? Where do we want this program to go? And are we, are we in the best possible position to get to that goal? Right? But I can tell you this. You don't win a game like you won yesterday. If the culture of Gamecocks basketball and the character of the people on that team, if it isn't fantastic. Because, again, you were down 16. You could have folded. You could have easily folded. You could have easily just packed it and said, you know what, not our day. Uh, Florida State's better than us, big, bad ACC team, whatever. You know, we're, we're, missing our, we're missing one of our veteran leaders. Not our day. But you didn't. You fought. You scratched. You clawed. You played intense defense. Intense. I mean, that's right there is buying into what's being taught. That right there is buying into what's being sold. So, again, I'm not sitting here saying crown Frank Martin and he should get a 10-year extension, anything like that. But, guys, I I've never been – anti-Frank Martin ever. I just want to make that clear. I've never been anti-Frank Martin. I've been pro-winning. I'm pro-winning. I'd love to see, and I'm loving seeing Frank Martin go on sort of this revenge tour and let everybody know and reminding them, hey, I can still coach. Like, I'm still a good basketball coach. Things have not gone our way the last couple of years. They certainly didn't last year. But the question should have never been, is Frank Martin a good basketball coach? Does he know basketball? Of course he does. Of course he does. The question is, 
can he find the players to fit his style and flourish, not just fit, not just play, flourish in his style? It looks like he just may have found the group to do so. And, and I tell you what, like I said, guys, I don't know where this team's going to go. I, I, I don't know what the ceiling is. But as I, as I told you before, this team is damn fun to watch. This team is damn fun to watch. So kudos to all parties involved, man. That was a gutsy win. That took a lot of guts. That took a lot of determination. That took a lot of character to not pack it in and continue to fight. Kudos to all those involved. I talked about him just a second ago, guys. And when you're talking takeaways from this game, my biggest takeaway, and I feel like the obvious takeaway from this one, Devin Carter's a star in the making. I, I mean, this dude is a baller. This dude is a legitimate stud out there. Big two, three, doing his thing. He can shoot from outside. He's not afraid to drive. Incredible stuff, man. Incredible stuff. Again, Devin Carter is a guy that gives you hope and optimism for the Gamecocks basketball program moving forward. These young guys you can cling to and, you know, just an incredible job by him. I mean, unreal. Some of the momentum changing shots. I also want to shout out, though, James Reese, what he did. Uh, you know, an 8-0 run literally by himself. That was stuff of legends. But for me, guys, my biggest takeaway, Devin Carter, truly, I think that's going to be a name we're talking about for a couple of years. Um, I mean, he's as good as we've seen since who? You know what I mean? Since who? Um, and the fact that he's a true freshman, you know, only played nine games in his entire career. The Gamecocks now sit at 7-2. and two, Only played nine games, and uh, the sky's the limit for that young man. Absolutely incredible. Tons of fun to watch. I think definitely he is a star in the making for sure. And I think, I think he put the college basketball world on a high alert yesterday with that performance that he had. So much fun to watch. Uh, on that note, guys, it should be of no surprise. The Shooter Shoot Award for yesterday's game against Florida State, of course, it's got to go to the kid. Devin Carter, 16 points, 6 of 12 in the field, 4 of 7 from, three throw, uh, from the three-throw charity stripe, and 7 rebounds to his credit as well. Again, it was a blast watching Devin Carter play, man. And like I said, some of the game-changing, momentum-changing shots and layups and uh, not, not being afraid to drive and, and hitting the outside shot as well. Again, I, I think we're just starting to see just glimpses of what this kid can be. I think it's just the beginning for him. Devin Carter, an awesome player from Miami, Florida. And again, 16 points, 50% from the field, four of seven from free, free throws and seven rebounds total. A fantastic day. So again, guys, Devin Carter, the winner of our Shooter Shoot Award for his performance against the Florida State Seminoles, which again, guys, takes us into what's next for Gamecocks basketball and Frank Martin squad. They will actually return to action, guys, tomorrow, Tuesday, December the 14th, as they take on Allen at 7 p.m. at Colonial Life Arena, guys. And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, because I understand everybody looks at that game. Heck, yours truly looks at that game and says, that should be a blowout. Shouldn't even be close. Hey, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But if you can, I'm not saying... Oh, if you don't go to the stadium, if you don't go to CLA, you're a bad fan. I'm not saying that, but all I'm saying is this. If you can, go. If you can, go. Let's not let it be dead and the team look sluggish. And, dude, I, I cannot wait to get in CLA Tuesday night, tomorrow night, if you will, and support this team. And, you know, it's going to be an incredible night for sure. I, it's going to be awesome. You should win. You will win. There's no doubt. But if you can go, Go, but again, guys, Gamecocks now sitting at seven and two overall. And again, after I said this after Georgetown, if you'd have told me Gamecocks would have been seven and two or six and two at that time, seven and two at this time, if you'd have told me right now, guys, South going to be seven and two, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Would have taken that in a freaking heartbeat. So, 
a ton to play for. We said it, the target number was 10 and three in the non-conference. I mean, I guys, I think you're well on your way. I mean, you got Clemson, but I mean, Allen, South Carolina State, Army. I mean, these are teams you should take advantage of. So continue to build the positive momentum, big time home date before you take on the arch rival this weekend at their place on Saturday night. Again, tomorrow uh, against Allen, 7 p.m. tip off, like I said, guys, on the SEC Network Plus, if you cannot make it, SEC Network Plus. But again, guys, fantastic win for Frank Martin's squad as they move to 7-2. and two. And I tell you what, man, I think everything's in front of you. I think everything's in front of you. I know the coastal loss was bad, but I think um, beating Georgetown, beating Florida State, you're kind of starting to put that one in your rear view. And there's still a lot to play for in this non-conference as you creep closer and closer and closer to SEC play, which will start that first week of January. Again, guys, we're sticking on the hardwood because, again, it feels good to be good, and sources confirm Winning is fun, and that was the case yesterday at the CLA as, again, Dawn Staley's team, you know, ho-hum, took down the eighth-ranked Maryland Terrapins by a final score of 66-59. to 59. Again, guys, I don't say that to be, you know, disrespectful or non-complimentary, but, again, I said this before, and I will say it again. This women's basketball team is a lot like the Patriots when Tom Brady was quarterback. The real season for this group isn't going to start until we get to March Madness because, guys, I said it in the preseason. I don't think this team loses a game. Who is this team going to lose to? Who? Who is going to beat the game? Because they've beaten everyone. They have beaten everyone. So you can stop, by the way, worrying and sweating games and saying, oh, my God, I don't know if, I don't know if Game Cox from the basketball is going to win this one. And, hey, I'm talking to you, Panic Ritter. Shout out Panic Ritter on the show. Panic Ritter every time out is worried about – Dawn Staley's team losing. Oh, no, the how are the ladies going to do? Panic Ritter, you can calm down. And all those who share his sentiment of, you know, being worry warts every time they take the floor, you can calm down. Guess what? Game Coxman's basketball heads to Duke on Wednesday. They're going to win that one, too. Doesn't matter what they're ranked. Doesn't matter who their head coach is. Doesn't matter what players they have. This team's going to win every single time it takes the floor. You can take that to the bank. If they don't, I'll eat crow. But until somebody beats them, you know, somebody asked me a couple days ago, Chris, have you picked the women to lose yet? Why on God's green earth would I pick the women to lose? Who would you pick to beat them? I will wait. So it's business as usual. You know what I mean? It's business as usual. And you know what? I'll say it. We're spoiled right now. We're spoiled because I have that type of mentality. Like we're spoiled with Dawn Staley's team. I would love to be spoiled. We should all wish to be spoiled across every single sport the way Dawn Staley has spoiled us with her product, the product she puts on the floor. Which, by the way, speaking of that product on the floor, how about Zaya Cook, Aaliyah Boston, shout out to them, each hitting a 1,000 career points as Gamecocks. Congrats. How about round of applause? Zaya Cook, Aaliyah Boston, congratulations. Uh, taking a look at the statistics, though, Gamecocks shooting 36% from the field. Hell, Maryland are just 31%. Shot just 17% from three, and Maryland shooting 39%, but it did not matter. Uh, look, Listen to this stat. And again, this goes back to Aaliyah Boston, right? When, when you have a specimen, as is Aaliyah Boston in the middle, I, I mean, these are the type of numbers you're going to get. 61 rebounds is what you reeled in. How many did Maryland have? 34. You out-rebounded the Terrapins by 27. You had damn near double the amount of rebounds that Maryland had. And what's crazy, guys, I don't even think the Gamecocks played the best game. They had 16 turnovers to Maryland's nine. So 
You won by seven points, and you could argue didn't even play your best game. I mean, it's it, it's the proof's in the pudding. This is the best team in women's college basketball, no question. You're 10-0 on the season. You are 4-0 and against top 10 teams. Guys, I don't know every other women's basketball schedule out there. Who's played a tougher slate? I mean, truly, is there another team that has played a tougher slate? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. You're 4-0 against top 10 teams. You've beaten the best already. I mean, this team is already March Madness ready. They already are. Who else do they have to play? Who else do they have to beat to prove they're the best team in women's basketball? Who? So, again, fantastic job, man, by Dawn Staley's squad. 66-59, you moved to 10-0 overall, 4-0 against top 10 teams. And, uh, again, it, it just keep on keeping on its business as usual. And, again, guys, like I said, I don't say that to be disrespectful or uncomplimentary or whatever, but it feel, when, when I say it feels good to be good, I, I mean, Dawn Staley's team is the definition of it feels good to be good. It also feels good to be better than everyone else, which is what Dawn Staley's team is. So again, Panic Ritter, any other worry warts out there, take a deep breath and relax. You got the best team in women's college basketball. Let's act like we're fans of that team. Let's act like it because we have it. We have it. Nobody's beating this team, period, point blank. Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. All right, guys, let's move off the hardwood and into some recruiting. What a recruiting weekend it was. Shane Beamer, he said, hey, I'm not going to be taught by the basketball programs. I'm putting in work my damn self as Jay Sean Barham, four-star linebacker commits, six foot three, 230 pounds out of District Heights, Maryland. And folks, again, what a pickup this was. I'll tell you this. This made my day Saturday. And I'm not saying that I don't normally get excited when prospects pick the University of South Carolina, especially when they're four stars and especially when they have the type of ratings and the hype. Because again, guys, if you did not know, this is now the highest commit of the Shane Beamer, highest rated commit, I should say, the highest rated commit of the Shane Beamer era to date, right? So of course I was excited. Either way, I was going to be excited. But the events that preceded this commitment with the Crystal Ball Boys and those on Twitter overreacting to things that were not even hard, solid fact yet, saying that the program was uh, on quote-unquote life support, and then others, I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's very easy, guys. If you just pay attention, it's very easy to tell those who did not like the Shane Beamer hire from day one and those who are still skeptical of Shane Beamer's status as head coach. And folks, if you know these people, if you follow these people, here's my suggestion to you. Don't, don't, don't listen to slap dicks. Don't listen to idiots, man. You know, people that are going to overreact to something one side or another before even all the facts come out, it's silliness. It's foolishness. And again, I totally respect the guys at 24-7, you know, rivals, those who make a living. Because, hey, those, those sites have made a fantastic living out of covering recruiting, doing the whole message board thing, and dropping their predictions, a.k.a. crystal balls for prospects. But it is sort of funny. In situations like this, when again, guys, we all felt good going into Saturday. Okay, Jay Sean Barham, we got a really, really good chance. You know, people are saying we're going to get him. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, shit just hit the fan. Oh my God, he just got a crystal ball to Maryland. Oh, he's going to Maryland. I was getting texts from people. He's going to Maryland, man. This is a huge miss. What is Beamer doing, man? He's missed on playmaker after playmaker. He's not getting a game changing recruit. What is going on? And I'm just like, okay, well, let's see where he goes. I mean, I, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Because some dude gave a crystal ball. Crystal ball boys. 
Y'all, y'all, y'all should give people their money back for this foolishness, freaking people out, going into the commitment. It's silly. At times, it's silly. Again, I'm not knocking what those guys do. Hey, they've, they've been wildly successful. They've been wildly successful doing what they do. So kudos to you. But maybe it just goes to show, guys, that maybe it's not wise. Per sources, it is not wise to overreact until, you know, a kid actually makes a decision and he says out of his mouth where he's going to go. I don't know. Either way, either way, it was funny how it all evolved, though, because, hey, people had me convinced that, well, dang, I guess he's going to Maryland. I guess it looks like he's going to go to Maryland, whatever. That's what everybody's saying. Everybody's saying he's going to Maryland. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Oh, yeah, the program's on life support, but Jay Sean Barham just picked the Gamecocks. Uh, who saw that coming? So just a funny day, and that really made my day, uh, you know, again, when Barham picked South Carolina, and again, a, a huge pickup, a huge pickup uh, for Shamer. He picks the Gamecocks over, obviously, Maryland, Oklahoma, and I believe Penn State was the other one, but either way, huge to get that commitment on Saturday going into this week with signing day on Wednesday and you know, just continue to build positive momentum and all that. So a great pickup. Again, a four-star defensive kid uh, listed as a linebacker, but again, six foot three, 230, man, just a kid, a freakish athlete that is going to help you on the defensive side. Again, some of us, you, you look at his offer list, man. I mean, I think there were like 26 schools that offer this kid. So a big time prospect, a big time prospect, absolutely no doubt. Um, I don't know. I don't know, folks. I mean, hey, Listen to who you want, but maybe don't get so worked off, worked up and be ready to jump off a bridge because somebody gives a crystal ball. I'm going to just start giving my own crystal balls. How about that? How about that? We're going to do TSUS crystal balls, and, uh, you know, we'll just go from there. So TSUS crystal balls, maybe those will come soon. Uh, either way, though, no, seriously, in all seriousness, because all of those, all of us who cover the Gamecocks, we want to see them get good players like Jay Sean Barham. So, again, a fantastic pickup, great pickup. Do not doubt what Shane Beamer is doing on the recruiting trail. Again, the highest rated commit of the Shane Beamer era. Things you love to see, per sources, those are things that we love to see. Uh, guys, this has been fun. This has been a blast. One quick note before we get out of here, because we have a fantastic throwback conversation with our guy Sherrod Golightly, who was a damn good player at the linebacker position himself at South Carolina. Uh, just one quick note. If you saw it on social media, you saw correctly, uh, there's a big-time quarterback on campus this week. His name is Spencer Rattle. He played for the Oklahoma uh, Sooners. The question people have is this, which is fair. What are the realistic odds that we land Spencer Rattle? I'll just give you guys my temperature check-in. This is not a crystal ball. This is not insider info. This is not message board banter. This is just yours truly, uh, trusting my gut and giving you guys my insight. Spencer Rattle, the realistic odds we get him, I would say probably about 30%. That's how I feel. Um, I'm not going overboard in regards to, you know, the Gamecocks' chances to land him. This is a kid that can literally go anywhere. But I tell you what, when you start looking at some of the competitors at UCLA and Ole Miss, and, you know, I've heard the name Nebraska mentioned, I mean, I think the Gamecocks have got a pretty decent shot to land him. I know some of you out there are moaning and groaning. If you don't want Spencer Rattle at Carolina, you are crazy, folks. You are crazy. You're crazy. Because number one, immediately, he immediately will upgrade the quarterback room. And there's no question. There's no denying it. There's no fighting. it. Number two, the reason why you might be moaning and groaning, that's why you hired Shane Beamer. 
Shane Beamer is there to get kids to buy into the culture and what we're building and being a good teammate and all that, right? Don't just go off of one high school documentary you saw of, of, of this kid three years ago. Who gives a damn? Who gives a damn? And number three, guys, and arguably the greatest reason I would love Spencer Rattle to be a Gamecock, guys, he would make South kind of football nationally relevant in an instant. And, and some of you out there may say, oh, why does that matter? That doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because guess what? In college football, as is, as is in every other sport, but in college football, perception is reality. Perception's reality. And so if you get a guy like Spencer Rattle, all of a sudden you're must-see TV and you're a national storyline, well, guess what? People are going to take notice, right? Wouldn't it feel good to have that Gamecock block C, that Gamecock logo back in the spotlight yet again? I know I'd love to see it. I know I sure as shit would love to see it. So Spencer Rattler, as far as we know, on campus this week, visiting. What does it mean? Will he commit? Folks, I don't know. Only time will tell. But again, if this weekend taught us anything, don't overreact one way or the other, right? Don't overreact one way or the other. Let's just see this thing play out, see what happens. I think if we do that, we trust in Shane Beamer Ball going to the moon. Beamer Ball is going to the moon. Let's trust in Beamer Ball. Let's trust in Shane Beamer and let this dude work. Good things are going to happen. I'm telling you guys, good things are going to happen both on the field, off the field, with the coaching staff. Guys, just be patient. Good things will happen. Good things are going to happen. Trust in Shane. We got you. We got your back, Shane. All right. Like I said, guys, this has been a fun Monday. Winning is fun. Confirmed. Per sources, winning is fun. Um, Hell of a Monday. Again, guys, it's not over yet. We got a great conversation, great interview with former Gamecocks linebacker Sherrod Golightly. This one, a throwback conversation also from 2019. Again, guys, I told you before, we're publishing a lot of these throwback interviews right now. We are going to, at the, at the turn of the year, we are going to get back into new interviews for you guys. But like I said, as we got into football season, everybody's so busy. The, the schedule is just crazy, hectic, and and – I just realized there were so many interviews that you guys had never heard, never heard, because, I mean, you think the business has about tripled in size since 2019. So, again, really happy to bring these conversations back to light. And, again, I know, guys, this is one you're sure to enjoy. Sherrod Golightly, a big, big part of some of the best defenses in Gamecocks football history. So, again, folks, enjoy that conversation. Enjoy that interview. Guys, again, thank you all so much for the continued love and support, rocking and rolling with us every single thing we do with the business. Um, truly a blessing, man. Again, excited for an exciting week. Podcast, Daily Crow, all the content rolling. You guys know the drill. So, again, hope you had a fantastic weekend. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday. And enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks linebacker, Sherrod Golightly. <laughs> All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2010 to 2014. During his South Carolina career, he finished with 114 total tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, an interception, two fumble recoveries, was actually named second team All-SEC in 2013 by the Associated Press and was obviously a key member on some of the best teams in South Carolina football history. Very pleased to welcome the show, former Gamecocks Spur, Sherrod Golightly. Sherrod, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure having you on. Man, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So, sure. I, I want to go back to the beginning for you. Obviously, you're a kid out of the uh, out of Decatur, Georgia. Um, came into South Carolina at an interesting time in the sense when Steve Spurrier was really getting it rolling. Obviously, again, you get there in 2010 in red shirt. But just t- take me back to the beginning. You're in high school. Obviously, a highly sought after recruit. What was the recruiting process like for you, and what eventually led you to choose South Carolina? Uh, 
the process was was cool, man. I was really excited coming out of uh, Decatur, going to different places across the South and even outside the South to uh, just try to see how far this football, this game of football could take me. But um, just running into a recruiter, not a recruiter, but a defense coordinator, uh, Lorenzo Ward, he played mm-hmm. a huge role in helping, uh, helping me kind of build a bridge between Decatur and Columbia. And um, he helped me see the the, uh, the strong future that we had. And I knew with the name that Coach Ferrier had, we could pull some other guys that had the same type of uh, uh, plans that I had to kind of make a change. Mm-hmm. You know, just uplift a program and show how great we are. No, for sure. I, like I said, it, you got there at an interesting time in the sense that, I mean, the second you get there, you know, 2010 on was the start of the run of, you know, you go to the SEC championship, go to Atlanta, you know, three straight 11-win seasons. You know, I, like I said, you redshirted in 2010, but when you got there on campus, could you – because I, I think we saw some glimpses of it in 2009, you know, towards the end of the season. That was the first of five in a row against Clemson. I think that got, that got everybody fired up, obviously. But what was the – I guess the mood like when you got on campus? Like, I'd imagine you you had a good feeling that South Carolina was really on the, uh, on the cusp of some really big things to come. When I got there, I knew – well, at least coming from where I came from, I, I left with a winning tradition. Mm-hmm. And I know when I got there, the people, the class 2010 specifically, me, Marcus Lattimore, Nick Jones, Dylan mm-hmm. Thompson, Connor Shaw, we all kind of came in that first month in June. And I know we kind of had that same look in our eye that uh, it was a new it was a new day in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I just knew uh, with that winning mentality, it doesn't matter what happened before us. The, the You know, the, uh, the history starts now. So we had that same mentality moving forward with the next three to four years. No doubt. So you talked about Steve Spurrier, obviously legendary head coach, Lorenzo Ward. Uh, let's stick with Spurrier specifically, though. What just I know that every player that played for him, I feel like, has kind of a different uh, relationship, if you will, especially with you being a defensive guy. I know, obviously, he's he stuck on his side of the room with with the offense. But uh, what was the what were the first interactions with Steve Spurrier like for you? Um, what I love is his honesty. Um, I always loved honesty, uh, even however it came off. As long as you got the message across, um, he 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 says what he says what he means, and he has expectations. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I think we had that was in common was a winning a winning mentality. Um, I think uh, if you want to win, you'll do whatever it takes. And the preparation was always in place to make sure that we kind of performed at our best abilities. And that's one thing I can't take away. And I'm so thankful. And, um, that he kind of uh, exposed us to that type of uh, that that type of uh, regiment and consistency and tradition because he he brought that with him and um, I think we just uh, were people to kind of help uh, expose that 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 winning mentality from a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sherrod, I'm just taking a look here at the stats. You know, your your career is really interesting in the sense that you know your first two years at Carolina. Um, <clears throat> on the field, 2011 and 12, you had 10 total tackles in those two seasons, so didn't play a bunch. You break out in 2013, like I said at the beginning of the show, your second team All-SEC, you jump from 10 total tackles those first two seasons to 47 total tackles, six tackles for loss, uh, one and a half sacks. You had two fumble recoveries in 2013 as well. I mean, do you attribute that to just getting more opportunities or like what changed in your game that led you to kind of that breakout 2013 year? It's Opportunity, man. Opportunity. I think the first two years, I had to, you know, you got to learn to be a follower first, and then you'll become a leader. You'll learn how to become a strong leader. So my first two years, I was behind Devontae Holloman and uh, Antonio Allen, and those two actually gave me the the, the know-how and just, just to see them do what I know I could do. So just seeing them, seeing is believing, and with them giving me, you know, the uh, all the encouragement 
to move forward, as being especially being smaller in the position. Um, I knew when I got out there, uh, my talent would, would show. For sure, you know it, it's crazy. Again, I'm I'm looking just again the years that you were there, and I mean just when you were there. I mean, there are so many games, moments, accomplishments you guys got. Like, it's almost too many to name. We could talk about the streak against Clemson. We could talk about the SEC title. We could talk about beating Georgia. Just everybody. I mean, it just – obviously, you were there at the peak of South Carolina football. Is there one moment for you that you guys accomplished as a team that, that stands out? Because, again, they were just – from that 2010 to 2013 13 span, I mean, you guys accomplished everything. I mean, what, but is there one thing for you that stands out that you guys accomplished as a team? during your time there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it was so many, like you said, all of them that rang a bell in my mind. But I knew that we grew up a lot. And from a standpoint, when I was an actual senior captain going into the 2014 year, mm. and we played we played University of Florida at Florida. And I knew how bad Coach Spurrier wanted that win. Mm. And I know how bad I wanted that win, at least leaving, leaving out of South Carolina. And we had a strong record against them my first three years. I just kind of wanted to leave with that bang, and it went to two overtimes. I think <laughs> I think it went to overtime or two mm-hmm. overtimes, and I just remember our D line being so young, and they were giving us so much flack about how or how inexperienced they were, and they grew up so much for that game. Bryson Allen Williams had a, a breakout game, and he's like one of my hometown little brothers. Mm-hmm. So when he came out and did his thing, and, and you know I had a strong game as well in, in overtime, and I just thought that was a a a, a, weird, a real win that that we use our will to get over. And I, I, and that would show me the strength of football. One, That's one of those games that show you the strength of teamwork, the strength of uh, just, you know, coming together for a common goal. And, and then it's always great to win in Florida. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's always a blessing to kind of to try, to, try to make some type of tradition that's, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that. Really ignore. That was the uh, the Carlton Hurd block punt game. Uh, very, very, yeah. very vividly remember. It's kind of ironic because I think everybody sort of agrees <clears throat> that's the uh, that's the game we got Will Muschamp fired. Now, ironically, he's our head coach. So, I mean, it's uh, kind of it's, it's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, kind of interesting. So, but uh, so I, I do want to go back. Let's talk about the Carolina Clemson rivalry because again, you were there. You know, the best teams ever at South Carolina, and you guys obviously had a ton of success against Clemson. You were there for the four. Four of the five, or the last four of the five-game winning streak against Clemson. You being a guy coming from out of state, though, how quickly did it click for you? Just how big of a game it was? Because I know it's it's a little bit different of a dynamic coming from out of state. Mm-hmm. But how quickly did it click for you? Just how big of a game that is. Um, it, I ain't, I can't lie. It took a, it took a minute for it to really hit me. Hit me. Um, when I first got to Carolina. I knew it was a rivalry game, and I knew how important it was to our fans. But you know, like I said, from our mentality, it was just somebody next on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like everybody in the, in the SEC is a rivalry game, you know, mm-hmm. and they just somebody who got to not play in our conference and that we had to meet at the end to show them um, our worth, you know, and show them it's a new day in South Carolina, or at least in that time space. And like I said, just – Moving forward, going into my third and fourth year, that's when I started to feel the real weight of it, and I just started to see to seeing the difference, um, what with our teams and what was going on in the past, and even in retrospect, looking at the looking at the the, the recent past, mm. what we had as a uh, as a strong as a strong point was a was a mentality, and that mentality did like like I was watching this Patriots game. It doesn't matter who's on the schedule; it's next up. And um, if you prep, you prepare the right way, um, you should you should come out with uh, great results. 
For sure. Is there is there one? Because again, there's so many good memories when you were there against Clemson. I mean, is there is there one game, one specific moment that kind of sticks out for you in the Carolina Clemson rivalry for you personally? I mean, because again, you, you you saw it all. I mean, you go up there in 2010 mm-hmm. and beat the hell out of them, and you know, just wrap it up with 2013, holding up the five, getting that fifth straight win. I mean, but is is there one thing for I guess you personally that stands out in the uh, your time as a player during Carolina Clemson? Um, my biggest uh. Me personally, when it, my I started my last year started mm-hmm. 2013, my last year, my, the last year we won against Clemson 2013. That was a huge win. I got to actually be on the field, experience mm-hmm. it all, cover Sammy Watkins, uh, watch Connor Shaw just be amazing, watch my boy Bruce Ellington, <laughs> like my brother, but see him just just flourish. Like I couldn't believe how great he was that year. It was mm-hmm. a great year for him. But um, I think outside of me though, I think that year we went to uh to Clemson and DJ Swearinger hit uh Andre Ellison. And and I don't think we know like the backstory because the backstory was just, you know, cause we know Bruce and Bruce was just telling us how much, you know, they thought they or well, they knew that they had to beat us. Because mm-hmm. it was just it, they were getting off to that tradition of of winning right. against us. So they really wanted that, especially being at home. And and I just think that hit epitomized that entire five year period. Mm. Like I just, and it just, it, it let them know. And when, when DJ got there, because I'm like attitude of leadership. And mm. when, and when DJ got there the year before us, I knew that that type of mentality that was something I wanted to to be a part of. And that's why it was easy to kind of jump on board and just add to that that greatness. And I remember coming out 2010 going into 2011. We had at least about 11 to 15 kids coming from the Georgia area. And I remember telling them, like, y'all got to come to South Carolina, man. You got to see what's going on. <laughs> I just remember how important that recruiting pitch was. And I know that hit specifically showed them that our conference is different, our football is different, and it's, it's, a, it's a different time. And they're going to have to mm-hmm. respect it. And, you know, and, and it was a beautiful day. Beautiful day. I I, uh, I got to ask now since we're talking about uh, DJ Swearinger, is there one story for him that like sticks out for you? Because I've kind of seen some former players kind of going back and forth about it on social media. About you know we've all seen the video of uh, Clemson in warmups and DJ comes up, swats the ball away, and like you know I've heard a story of him in the Michigan game as well and like pregame and stuff like that. Like is there uh, mm-hmm. any any DJ Swearinger memory that you can tell in the airwaves that's like your favorite that sticks out? Because I, again, I feel like there's just so many stories with just his, it is, his savagery. It is. You know what dude, I mean? Dude is a warrior, man. And he's a straight warrior. And and if and if you if you really love the game, you'll love you'll love everything about him, hmm. especially if he's on your side. And hmm. it just I I just love the uh he he didn't care. He didn't care who we were going against. And he had that underdog mentality. DJ didn't come in like Stephon. He wasn't five star. He wasn't all that. But he he demanded his respect, play mm-hmm. by play, play by play. And that's what we try to do game by game, you know, from a micro to a macro. It is demanding respect by preparation, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and a physical mentality. And he made sure that we came out, though, with that. And if we didn't, he called us out. And I remember we left. <laughs> He he left and came back. He was asking, "What's going on, man? These games too close. These games too close." Like, hey, you're right. You're right. Let me go out here and have a conversation, <laughs> and then we'll we'll talk and we'll get it get it back going. But man, oh, his leadership is priceless, man. I I, t- I tell him that. I told him that this year. I still keep in close contact with him, man. I, I'm I'm so proud of him. I I just know how how hard he works, and 
Mm-hmm. His, like his preparation got him to where he is, man. and there's nothing, uh, there's nothing about his effort um, that didn't seep through the entire team eventually. Between him, Stephon, Alshon, mm-hmm. uh, Connorshaw, Marcus, you know, it, it all starts with the leadership. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you mentioned DJ, but you also mentioned Stephon Gilmore, and you play with the likes, you know, Jadavion Clowney, Devin Taylor. I mean, you guys had to know how good you were, right, as far as defensively. Because, I mean, you look at, you look at those defenses, um, and we can, you know, we can have the debate of which one was the best defense on another show, I'm sure. But you look at all – I mean, starting in 2010, but then 11, 12, 13, like you look at those defenses – I mean, you just look at the guys on those that those that the, the two deep. I mean, look at how many guys are in the NFL balling out too, not just playing, but I mean, balling, Melvin, yeah. yeah, balling out. Melvin Ingram doing big things. Clowney's doing big things. You know, pretty much every Gamecock in the NFL, I feel like he's doing very big things. But um, I mean, how, how much that had to be just a lot of fun though, because I mean, you you guys knew you were a dominant unit, especially. I mean, I just think to 2013, it's just you know, beating Clemson in, you know, or 2012, you know, Jadavion Clowney, four and a half sacks, which I think he still holds the, the Clemson record for most sacks in a game at that building. I mean, how much, wow. how much fun was it for, for you, you know, just being a part of that, a, a part of those dominant defenses where, again, I, I feel like you guys knew what you had. You knew how good you were. Yeah, I think every year it got, it got stronger. Mm-hmm. I think because we knew how close we were how close we were and even the little mid-taps we did have within the, the year I think uh, when we tripped up against a, a Tennessee on a bad year or when we tripped up against uh Auburn when we uh, a, a Auburn team that we should have beat I think in 2012-13 but whatever we tripped up and when we kind of fell short we always kind of picked the ball up where that where, where we left off and like I said like it, it all starts with leadership and I think we knew we knew we had but I don't think we I don't think it all just really sank in. I just think we knew if we did our job, everybody will eat. Every everybody will win. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if we go out here and perform the way we know we should or know we can, and we come out here with a winning mentality and we prepare, I think uh, everybody should have that that uh that opportunity to take their talents to the next level, man. And, and it's such a cool thing to tell people who you play with. Like mm-hmm. I was telling you, like it's just going around, just and it's it's such a high respect for their for their, uh, their output as far as production, but they don't understand what they put into it to make that happen. And that's why I, that's my respect level is so high for so many. For sure. You know, you, you kind of talked about the DJ Swearinger, the guy that plays with that chip on his shoulder. I, I feel like, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm curious to get your take on this, but your playing style, I, I feel like you could describe yourself very similarly as well, because a guy that um, maybe like size-wise, you weren't the typical – spur if you will like as far as just side but you you played bigger if that makes sense like you just played with an edge I mean how how would you describe your playing style to people yeah man I when I came in I was going in as a as a boundary safety a strong safety mm-hmm. and when I first came in behind uh I think uh Bryson Williams and I was behind uh DJ mm-hmm. and I was trying to just figure out what working on the hashes and when I came out of high school I was always in the box that was like my my second nature for me to be in the physical in the physical in the physical in the trenches. I was used to the trenches. So when I actually got an opportunity, well, I told Coach Ward, this is a little small story, but 2013-12, uh, I think we were getting ready for Auburn game. I, mm-hmm. I was like, Coach Ward, I, I want to play free. I want to play safety, man. I'm trying to get on the field. You just got to give me a shot. <laughs> he was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. So I want to go talk to AD, to AD, uh, Corey, I'm not Corey, I'm um, Dang, 
Dang, he was GA. He was our GA at the time. But I went over to him and I was like, what do you think I should do to get on this field more? He was like, man, I think you should play spur linebacker, bro. I was like, why you think that? He was like, that was you played in high school. It's your natural position. And you still do, you work on covering and get better every day. But you're going to have to wait in line. You got Antonio Allen in the front lane. You got Demario Jeffrey. And you got uh, Devontae Holliman. So you got to wait for turn. But take a, take a year to learn. And that was that year. Going in the rest of that year, I, I tried to master my craft as far as the mental side of it. And when I actually got a chance to get on the field to show the physical, it, it, it all manifested itself, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I always knew that I had a, 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 a mind a mind strong enough to uh, to overcome anything. And when I got on that field, it was an opportunity to show how how great I could be in in, in the spaces I was I was strong at, and and it, and it kind of showed itself. And like I said, opportunity is everything, though. You earn that opportunity with, with a great spring, with a strong winter, with a strong, we you know, with a strong camp. All those things were momentum that built into it. So, so that's why, like like I said, just going through that college process, learning how to do it the right way, uh, uh, with the people I learned it from, it's mm. priceless. It's priceless. And that chip on the shoulder, I think everybody should have one. Mm. I don't know if you got to make one up. <laughs> but it'll keep it'll keep the accountability high, and it'll keep you focused on uh, what what the goals are. No doubt. So I, I want to talk about get your thoughts really quickly on. I, I would say your first really big impact play that you made at South Carolina that I can vividly remember is the fumble recovery against Mississippi State. Um, and I, it's funny that that game I, I was at that game actually, but that that game was pretty close. That was a big play in that game. Um, just talk about for you personally again, just. You get the opportunity in 2013 is a great season, but to have that plague and you had two fumble recoveries that year, one against Mississippi State and one against Coastal Carolina. But that first big play, I mean, what, what was the rush of emotions like for you when you made that play? That play, that was a, a, a really big game, actually. I, mm. I think um, we played Dak Prescott. Yeah, that was Prescott, his, his yeah. Coming out, yeah, that, that, his uh, coming out party. Uh, Mississippi State had a really physical team that year, and that was one of our younger years. We mm-hmm. had a lot of seniors leave out, and that was a year I kind of had to step up as a leader. And you know, me, Clowney, uh, we had um, I think I think we had Scott Moore at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I know we had uh, a couple other a couple other strong players out there, but we just made sure that we try to keep it physical. But that play specifically, I think, helped uh, build the momentum for a strong season for me uh, at least. Because I know um, it kind of got a lot of people paying attention to the, you know, the effort play. Because it really was an effort play. Uh, all I think about that whole spring where I was telling myself, I'm going to run to the ball every day. I don't care. The ball goes to the cooler. I'm going to the cooler to go get the ball. Like, and, <laughs> and that type of mentality going through pass skill, inside, it paid off when, in, during the season. In the right place at the right time. They teach the rat, hit the man, and I picked the ball up. And then, and then the rest is history. But the first play that I believe that kind of just, you know, that kind of really opened my eyes, I know I could play on this level, was against Florida 2012. Mm-hmm. We played Florida at South Carolina. It was a, a third and it was a third and four. I think they had Jeff Dempsey in the backfield, and they had a smoke package where they put me in as like a, a edge rusher. Because like I said, that's something I did in high school coming off the edge. It was like a, a like second nature to me. Uh, when Dimps came off a sweep, I got him in the backfield for a three-yard loss. And they ended up having to kick a field goal, but missed the field goal. And we ended up winning by like four or five mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. Really, really close game. But 
I'll never forget, Coach Furrier called me that next week. He was like, go lightly. I don't think you understand. That was a huge play, man. And, you know, and, and when he said that against Florida, I knew the weight. I knew the weight <laughs> of it, you know, being a sophomore, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know all these other big plays going on all game. You got Tony O going crazy. You got DJ going crazy. For him to pay attention to that one play kind of showed me, man, Every everything counts, you know, and always be prepared to make the best out of a situation. For sure. So I, I want to talk about current day South Carolina football, Sherrod. But first, I want to ask you just kind of just straight up going from 2013 to 2014. I know the 2014 season did not go the way that you guys wanted to, especially defensively. What, what if anything, can you point to? Is there one specific thing you would point to and say that this was missing from the 2014 team? Because obviously you had to replace a ton. I mean, Clowney left. A, a bunch of guys were gone off that 2013 team. And Obviously, again, you guys were a top-10 team, ton of hype going in the season. Obviously, the Texas A&M game happens, and it sort of changes the outlook of the 2014 season. But, I mean, what to you, if there's anything, I guess, but what to you was like the thing that was missing that you feel like kind of held you guys back in 2014? DBs love a pass rush. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing that we were missing. We we were very young up front on the edges, Mm -hmm. and then we were very young on the back end. That 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 equates to a lot of points mm-hmm. in bad moments, and we a lot of, we had a lot of opportunity we had a lot of opportunities to win games, and it was just t- towards the end, um for whatever reasons that uh, mentally mentally mental lapses we would kind of give up a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and like I said I think every every good thing comes to an end every and every and every game that we did win we could have lost and a lot of games we won we, we a lot of games we lost we could have won or vice mm-hmm. versa but I just think it showed me how how grateful you should be for everything. Like that was that one. Like 2014 was a year that kind of just broke. Showed me how special those other years were. Mm-hmm. And 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 moving forward, it showed me the leadership it takes. You know, to bring some 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 cats who don't understand, who might not understand the way we do things. That's that 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 showed me the the importance of every step throughout the year. You know, so well, I don't think about, like I said, winter workout, spring, spring training, and you got, uh, you know, a fall camp. Mm-hmm. All of those things add into having a strong season. And and being a fifth-year senior, I, I was able to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it was it was great retrospect, man. I think I think I was on me and a couple, I think maybe Nick Jones and JT Surratt and maybe mm-hmm. Dylan. I think we probably only a couple people that can really see the, the beginning of it and seeing the end of it uh, as right. far as just being really special. So, like, I, I, I take nothing for granted. And I know every slip does count in those in those tight games. Man, a pass rush is everything. <laughs> a pass rush is everything, man. You take for granted Devin Taylor. You take for granted uh, Travian Roberson. You take, you take for granted, you know, Cliff Matthews, people like that. So, it's just <laughs> when it – when 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 you kind of get back to like you know back to earth you know again you know with more more uh more fundamental people mm. uh, you got to kind of just roll with the punches but I think I think we learned a lot from that year man I think a lot of people learned a lot from that year mm. and um it, it I, I I I'm I'm thankful because it was an opportunity for me to be a captain a senior right. captain like I said I was a red shirt freshman you know coming from Decatur you know Decatur Georgia and. And now I'm a senior captain at the University of South Carolina, and we just came in preseason top ten off the work that we earned before. So it was just 
uh, I, I was uh, really thankful for everything. But if it was one thing that I knew we could, if we had more experience at, mm-hmm. if we had more experience at pass rush, I know that season could have been at least a uh, nine, ten win season. Mm-hmm. That's just in my mind. In yeah, my no mind. doubt. Now there's a lot of close losses that 2014 year. Um, all right, let, let's move into current day South Carolina football. Obviously, somebody as you, I'm really curious to get your take on because being a proud alum that you are, you've seen this program at its absolute best. You've seen it slip up a couple of times, like you mentioned. But right now, it is a very interesting time to be a Gamecock fan. I think I speak for most Gamecock fans when I say that. You know, you're coming off of a four and eight season. Your coach is facing a lot of scrutiny. Obviously, he's going to be back next season, but. When you take a look at this program under Will Muschamp, just kind of give your overall thoughts, your perspective on the program and, I guess, the direction it's heading under Will Muschamp. Um, one thing I, I love that we are physical. Um, mm-hmm. That's one thing that I can say. From the point of attack, we have been, we are, we have been more physical than we have been in the past. Um, I, like, I love the, the recruiting. The recruiting mm-hmm. is very, very strong. I think we're getting some top athletes especially from uh, the, the Georgia area. I know a couple of kids that, that are on the team now, the current roster. But I think it's just um, – we just got to tighten up on big on, – in bigger moments, we need to play bigger. And I, and, and I don't know how you recruit that. I don't know how you recruit that, how you definitely – how you fix that issue specifically. But like I said, attitude reflect leadership. So I think if the top of the – if the top of the – if the head of the snake can – can handle the big moment, the rest of the team should follow. So I just think we're, we're, we just need to put a little more preparation, be more uh, – take more attention to details, um, and and just compete, man. Just compete. That's all I ask. I, and, and in this conference, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I know that. You know, the athletes aren't that far away, you know, as far as talent-wise. So it's just as long as you compete. And I, and I don't know if – they use different motive motivation going into games. I don't know, but I just think they need to go back and find a, another why, a bigger mm-hmm. why, a bigger reason to kind of come around, like or come together, a stronger, a stronger uh, source of a camaraderie. And I, and I, and I don't really see that. You know, I see a lot of names, a lot of faces. I see, you know, what I'm saying a, a lot of uh, good players, but I don't see that common goal together. You know right. what I mean? And I, and I know even on our – I remember that my last year there, even on our 76 year, I remember going into Miami to a, go play in Miami in the bowl game. We made a point. Like, we're going out winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going out with the bowl game. We're going out with the I, – like, I made sure that I never – well, I never played in the bowl game. I lost, you know, and I want right. to make sure that I kept that that, that consistent. There's just certain things that, that you got to kind of just lean on my word is pride, man. Somebody got to have pride, man. And I, I don't know if that comes from the hometown. Like I said, I don't know if you can recruit that, but it's something that they have to reemphasize, and that's bigger than that's bigger than your last name. That's that's more that's more of the, the team. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do this year? The 2020 year, the 2021 year, you know, things like that. You being a defensive guy, is there any is there anybody on the Gamecocks defense particularly that you like, you know, enjoy watching? I mean, obviously this year, I thought the defense had a pretty solid year. I mean, Javon Kinlaw, DJ Wanham, what they did. And you've got J.C. Horn, Isra McQuamu in the back end, um, Ernest Jones at linebacker, T.J. Brunson. I mean, was there, uh, was there one guy you, 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 you want to highlight on the defense that you kind of uh, enjoyed watching this year? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love I love twenty four. I love the way he competes, and I love the way seven competes. They the two those two DBs. Every time I turn on the TV, they are in the way or making a way, mm. and I, I I love to see that. And they're and they're young, so they, yeah. they got a lot more lot lot more winning or I was learning to do. You know, so if they can just like I said, they can find a if they can use what they've learned this year. And just and, and sprinkle that with the with the younger guys and use that experience to uh to push the rest of the team forward. They'll be all right. But like I said, it all starts with leadership, and I I don't know for sure who's the leader. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was a lot of times when we played, you knew who, who kind of were the captains. You kind of tell when they kind of popped out on television. I want I want to be able to see that when I see us, and I can't wait to see that when it comes. For sure, for sure. So, Sharon, I'm going to get you out of here before I do. Uh, last question for you. When you look back on your career, again, there's just so many good memories. I mean, there's so, so many good memories, so many games you guys won, so many big plays, great moments. Is there one particular memory for you that stands out as your favorite memory in Garnet and Black? Uh, favorite, 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 favorite. Let me go back. I got to go in my head. All right. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. 2013 Capital One Bowl. 2014 Capital One Bowl. Mm-hmm. Play uh University of Wisconsin. And that was that was uh uh the battle, the first half, huge mm-hmm. battle. Like yeah. they were up. I thought it were, were running up and down the field. And um I think that second half we came out and we competed. We competed. Like I and I remember just telling them like Dick, we it's a fight, fellas. Like y'all never been in a fight. I know y'all been in a fight before, like you <laughs> You gotta keep swinging. You have to keep swinging, and it's a long battle. And I don't care who they got over there; they ain't got nobody that we haven't seen before or seen nothing like. So let's get it. And I think going out of there, I had I think six tackles in the half, and mm-hmm. I had like two tackles for loss and one on fourth down. And that, and it just it was just a lot of emotion, momentum. My my, my linebackers played great. Kwan Lewis had a good game. Uh, my boy uh, Scott Moore had two interceptions. It was just a lot of great uh, stuff happening on the, on the defensive side and offensive side. Mm-hmm. I just think that momentum going into the game, that was the first time I actually contributed heavily into mm-hmm. a bowl game, heavily. Like, I mm-hmm. played almost every uh, – I played a lot of downs. I made huge plays. And it was on national television against a big team with a Highland Trophy winner, you know. So, yep. it was it was real, real cool to do, man. That was one of my, my, one of my fine memories. Awesome. Well, Sherrod, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. I know I speak for uh, for all Gamecock fans, and I say, you know, it was a pleasure to watch you out there. Obviously, you guys, again, all the, all the great memories, all the great moments. Um, you know, it was a pleasure to watch you out there. So, appreciate you taking the time. We'd love to have you back on, talk some ball, talk some shop, but uh, really do appreciate it, man. No problem, man. Appreciate you. Go Cock.
the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.